Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Time takes a little
love that song. What a great way to start the show. Welcome to a special edition of the Indie Cafe on the Red Velvet Media Network. This is Holly Steffi, and today we have an iconic musician with us today, Gene Cornish from the Young Rascals and so many other things. Uh, He's just, that's a great song. That's called A Thousand Times, and uh, we have him in the studio along with my co-host, Spencer Drake calling in from New York, and uh, I'm going to bring everybody in, and we are going to talk to Gene, and um, I wanted to let everyone know the chat room is open. If you'd like to go into the chat room, you do need to create an account. Um, if you'd like to call in and speak to uh, Gene, myself, or Spencer, the number is 347-677-1036, and uh, with that, let me bring Gene into the studio. Welcome to the show, Gene and and Spencer. Hello, Holly. Spencer, you there? Hey, how you doing? You know, everybody's not, here. I don't like to be called iconic. I'm more. You ironic. are iconic. You're great. No, I'm ironic. You're ironic. You're an ironic. You're an ironic, ironic. funny guy. He told me in the beginning. He says my last name is like a Cornish hen. I'm like, oh my god, you're so funny. You know, I love that song, Gene, and I want to ask you really quick before everybody everybody has to know who you are from the Young Rascals. Um, tell me, is that song off your latest um, uh, release that you're doing? Because that's a beautiful that, song. That, that, that's the lead-off song to uh, an album that I'm finishing with the lead singer. We wrote that song together. His name is Phil Nero, N-A-R-O. Uh, he's from Rochester, my hometown in New York. He currently lives in Toronto. He was the wow. lead singer for Billy Sheehan's Talus and Peter Chris's Army years ago. And we wow. were hooked really? up together through my manager, Bruce Pilato, at the Rochester Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. And we've got about three-quarters of, of the project done. And we're going to finish it hopefully within the next couple of months and then maybe try to get a record deal if, if I can find a record industry. Oh, cool. you're going to find a record deal. And I want to thank Bruce, by the way, if you're listening. Bruce, thank you so much for getting all the... Beautiful pictures and the music to both Spencer and myself. And Spencer is calling in from New York. Spencer Drake, you want to tell us a little bit um, about what you're doing right now? You're besides being my wonderful co-host on a oh, thank you, Holly. Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a very historic uh, Ramon show, as we both know, at the Queens Museum, which will be on until July 31st, and travels to the Grammy cool. Museum. I designed uh, end of the century famous and Road to Ruin album covers and. My work cool. is in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame collection Hall and of fame. Uh, MoMA. And and and, and, and Mr. Mister Cornish, <laughs> Mr. Cornish, you there? <laughs> Mr. Cornish, we know that you were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1997. So uh, right. you're no stranger we indi- to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yourself. Yep. We were indicted. So we were indicted into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I love that. Indicted, in, in, you were inducted. Yep. Indicted, inducted. I know. I'm. It's Friday. Give me a break, okay? It's you Friday. know, I, we, we have the honor. We have the honor of being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame since 1997. It took yep. us eight years to get in, but it was worth it. And Steve Van Zandt uh, voted for us every year, and he fought for us, and he finally. He also did the induction. Uh, mm. uh, uh, of which mm-hmm. uh, David Chase saw him and in, induct us in the Hall of Fame and, and wrote in the part of Silvio. 
So we oh, really? like we're oh, wow. part of that whole legacy. And then and then Stephen, of course, paid us back by putting us together in, in 2012 and 13 for the uh, for the Rascals uh, reunion. It was called Once Upon a Dream, and we did 11 months and 70 shows together. Jeez. And uh, it was just the best I time ever. I I had tip my hat off and thank you to Steve Van Zandt and the Rascals. And, uh, and and now I'm moving forward with new projects, and I guess Bruce may have told you about the Platinum Rock All-Stars we put together, which is a band consisting of myself on guitar, Rudy Sarzo from White Snake and Quiet Riot on bass, Carmine wow. Appleby from the Vanilla Fudge and Cactus oh my on God. Jeff Downs awesome. on keyboard from Yes and Asia, and a guitar player named Bumblefoot from Slash, who replaced Slash in Guns N' Roses. You know, you got a. This is like a. This is like an all star band. I want. I want you to tell him. Tell people about Carmine Apache, right? Because he's outstanding, right? Well, he pronounces it Apice. Ah, Apice. I'm sorry. And his brother Vinny is Apice. So that's how they differentiate. (laughs) Well, well, Carmine. Carmine is responsible for me getting hooked up with TKL uh, Marketing Studios in Hocus, New Jersey, with Tom Merlin. And he brought me in, Carmine brought me in and got me involved with them so I could do this album. So I'm grateful to Tom Merlin and Karen, Karen Merlin from TKL Productions and Carmine Apathy. Matter of fact, we're going to go see Carmine Monday night at the Iridium. He's uh, playing with Mark Hudson. Oh, really? Mark Hudson at the Iridium at 9 o'clock. Oh, you'll get to see Eva. Eva will be there, I'm sure. She loves Mark. Yeah. Eva and Gary. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll be there. Maybe. I hope so. Oh, that would be so cool. Well, you know, oh, you, you know what? You... Oh, I'm sorry. What, go what, ahead, what, go what, ahead, Holly. Real sorry. quick, I wanted to, I wanted to say really quick because it's in my mind here. I see that you're from Canada too, and you said that a thousand times you were working. You co-wrote that song with uh front with your other partner. He's in Canada, so it's interesting. Um, you're keeping your Canadian roots. That's awesome. Well. I moved to Rochester, New York. My mom and I moved to Rochester, New York, with a man named Ted Cornish. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he, he married my mother when I was four years old, uh, and we moved to Rochester, New York, and that's my connection with Phil. We're both from Rochester. I, I moved to Rochester when I was four years old and moved to New York City when I was 20, and Phil moved to Toronto about 15 years ago from Rochester. But we go back and forth, and... And we, we got connected, as I said, through Bruce Pilato, who manages uh, Cactus and Carl, Carl Palmer from Emerson Lake and Palmer and me. Um, so it's a, we're all interconnected. And I, I never lost my roots in Rochester. You know, I go back every year, mm-hmm. uh, every year, the last 12, 10 or 12 years, and play a free concert at the House of Guitars there, which is the famous music store. And we do it. Oh, we do really? It, uh, we oh. do a free concert and ask people to donate food and clothing to the homeless. And, and, and nice. it's, it's really gratifying, yeah. And I do a lot of work with Bill Edwards with the Wounded Veterans. Uh, uh, we do a show every year at the Paramount oh, Hudson Valley Paramount Theater. Mm. Oh, how nice. That is you know really what I awesome. Ask, I want to ask a question, Holly. Uh, let, let's go back yeah. a bit, uh, Gene. Uh, you guys got together. You were, with, uh, you were with Joey D and the Starlight. is a very major group that I was brought up with. Uh, and Felix there and Eddie Brigatti, right? That's the start of your group? The well, rest no. Well, I started in Rochester and had groups for about eight years, before, and then I had a group called the Unbeatables, 
and we had a song which was shamelessly called "I Want to Be a Beetle," and, and we came to New York, uh-huh. we came to New York City and got a job at the Peppermint Lounge. <laughs> we booked right. on Beatables really? in 1964. Yeah, and we uh, we we wow. played there for a few months. The band broke up. Joey D offered me a job. I met Felix Cavalieri. Joey was making a comeback because he had his hit in the 60s. So four <laughs> years later, he put the band back together, and Eddie Brigatti was now joining the group, which was David Brigatti's younger brother. And Eddie was mm-hmm. in the group, Felix was in the group, and I was in the group. And after about three months with Joey, we decided to go off on our own, and Felix knew this drummer, Dino Danelli. So we got together. Our first gig was January uh, 15th. I'm sorry, uh, uh, February 15th. 1965, and uh, and and we played the place called the Choo Choo Club in Lodi, New Jersey, until we got the job at the Barge in 1965 in the summer in the Hamptons. Now, the That's where I saw you, Gene. I saw you at the Barge when I was a kid in Knickers. I saw you there at the Barge. Well, the deal was, and we got there for the whole summer. And the Barge of six, uh, the year of 65, the Barge was equal to the height of success of, of uh, Studio 54. Right. So everybody went there. Record companies came out there. They were all they were all romancing us to make a deal. Uh, we started in February of 65, and by August of 65, we had a major record deal with Atlantic Records because wow. of Sid Bernstein. That's amazing. Yeah. I see that you worked. I see that you did. You got signed by Atlantic Records, and then you were known as one of the best live bands in America. Um, well, you know, 1965. Yeah, so. Yeah, well, you know what? We we were basically we we were considered well, what I'm told we were considered a band's band because all the big stars, the Rolling Stones, Dave Clark, uh, Mike Smith, Dave Clark Five, Bob Dylan, everybody would come and see the Rascals when we came to the city, and uh, you know mm-hmm. we 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 just we we were so different and so special in the fact mm-hmm. that we had Felix Cavalieri and Eddie Bricotti on vocals, we had this fabulous drummer Dino Danelli. And we and they sang great and we played great and and uh, we were very very fortunate to be so original and I think one of the original mm-hmm. things was not just the voices but the fact that we played a Hammond Felix played a Hammond B3 organ and that was the wow. beginning oh, of the whole great. Oh, that's yeah. great. Well, who oh, that's who amazing. came up with the idea of dressing in knickers? I want to know that one. Okay, I gotta tell you. Now, wait for it. Here it is. <laughs> we went to the first. We went to the first rehearsal at Felix's house. He lived in Pelham, Westchester. His father was a dentist, and we went. We we got up there. We're waiting for Eddie to come to show up for rehearsal. So we're talking about what are we gonna wear? We don't want to wear suits like the Beatles. We don't want to wear jeans like the Stones. Eddie walks in wearing knickers as a joke. He's got a pair of knickers on because oh, you know he, he was a it was a very funny. It was like a Harpo Marx character, you know. In, and they had mm-hmm. bought, him and his friends in Lodi had gone to the Bowery and found about 40 pair of knickers that were at least 40, 34, 35 years old in a store, <laughs> unsold, full of dust. They bought them all, and we decided, hey, let's wear the knickers. Uh, Eddie had a friend who had a show, was a shirt maker, made us those little Lord Fauntleroy shirt collars, and wow. we wore knickers, but we didn't have the name Rascals yet. I came up with the name Them, and that lasted a week when Van Morrison came out with, mm. with, with the group Them, so we had a different exactly, name. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's well, we used to play. That. We used to play, We used to be able to make a living uh, as a band in those days. Uh, we would play six nights a week for a month in one club, and we would do six sets That's a amazing. night. We'd be on from nine to three, and we had a different name every set. 
So we had six names in the night. And finally, Dino, uh, as I remember, you know, he was an insomniac. He'd go home at 4 in the morning and watch little Stanky and our gang on TV. And he came back. He said, we're wearing the knickers. Let's be the rascals. And we poo-pooed it. We said, no, That's we don't great. want to do that. That's terrible. Well, we didn't like the idea. But Dino made all of these little fortune cookie papers and put them in our shoes on our microphones. And, it up. and finally, we just gave in and called ourselves the rascals. Wow. Oh, that is that is great. What a great what a great story. What a great well, tell story. Us, tell us about hey Gene, tell us about the this is very interesting, the song People Gotta Be uh, Gotta Be Free. That mm. is amazing uh uh why you why you wrote the song, right? Martin Luther King. Tell us about well, that. Well, you know, Felix, Felix talks about it. He came up with the idea originally. Uh Eddie and I had written a song called Let Freedom Ring, which we didn't use but Felix liked the idea of freedom, and uh, Martin Luther King uh, uh, passed away, and, and, Robert, and Robert Kennedy also. And uh, he came up with the idea, uh, people got to be free, and Eddie wrote the lyrics, and, and we produced the record. And basically, um, it, 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 it's, you know, it's, it's, still very, <clears throat> it's still very current as far as the subject matter right now, because when you look, when you look at everything around the world, Everybody's fighting mm-hmm. for freedom, and freedoms are being taken away in the Middle East, absolutely, in different places. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. you know, that, that that song should be on the charts right now again. That's right. It should. <laughs> let's do it. Right. Let's put it back into the, you know, let's put it back up, <clears throat> up there. Let's call variety. Hey, I wanted to ask you, Gene, really quickly. I wanted to let everyone know you're on Facebook, and you also have a website. Would you like to give your website out really quickly so everybody well, can know yeah, where to go? I, I, I believe it's GeneCornishWW.com. If somebody will call yeah. me and, and refresh me about that, I'm not sure. I, oh, I'm, that's funny. I'm no, a no, 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 I'm no, a novice, can... at, I'm a novice I just at, wanted at, you to get at, it out. Uh, social media. Uh, Debbie Davis, uh, my lady. Awesome. She, she, well, she, she finally talked me into getting an iPhone and learning a little bit about the social media. <laughs> I'm, 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 an, I'm an adolescent when it comes to social media. And, uh, you don't do you FaceTime? Um, please. Do you do, do you do FaceTime yet on your phone, your iPhone with No, Daddy? because I'd have you to guys... comb my hair and shave. <laughs> <laughs> see that's the thing with iPhones and now everybody says that oh, let's FaceTime. So everybody has to like make sure that their makeup's on perfect and their hair is done or if you're a guy, you know, you look presentable and you know that but that's, that's just funny. Sometimes. Sometimes that's Isn't an that invasion funny? of privacy. You know, really. I mean, uh-huh. wow. You got. I, I got to limit. I got to limit my exposure. Yeah, yeah. no. Hey, listen, hey, hey, listen. We have a call. Excuse me, oh, Spencer. Good. We have a call coming in. One minute. Oh, good. We've got two Maybe calls coming in. Hold on. Let me see. <laughs> who, well, I, well, I, I think there's it. more. I, I didn't oh, no, you didn't do it. Hold on. Let's see who this is. First of all, this is an interesting number. One 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 one. You're on the air. Who's this? Hello. <laughs> Hi, who's this? This is, this is Tommy James calling for Gene. Oh, wow, oh, Tommy. Tommy Unbelievable. James. How are you? Hold on. Hey, how we are you, Tommy? Caller. Fine, thank you. Got another I love call, you guys. too. So hold on. Let me bring um, Tommy, welcome to the show. This is Holly. Nice to thank have you. Thank you so much. You're so awesome. Hold on one moment. I think this must be Jimmy. Jimmy, is that you? You're the best, pal. <clears throat> hey. <Thank> you. <laughs> Jimmy. Jimmy, that's Jimmy Matt and Tommy James. Unbelievable. So James and James, huh? 
How are you, Tom? How are you? Nice to talk with you. Nice to speak with you, too. And, oh, Jimmy, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. And, Debbie, if you can hear me, hi. (laughs) If you're listening to the interview somewhere, and, Carol, if you're listening, we send you our love. Yep. So welcome (laughs) to the show, everyone. Yeah. So I want to know how everybody knows each other. Let's stop. Let's start with you, Gene, and Tommy, and everybody, everybody else that's on here. Well, Tommy and I have had had a bromance for 50 years. We know each other from the hanky-pank days. Uh, right, Tommy? Is that correct? That is right, the hanky-panky and the good-loving days. That's right. <laughs> yes, Dude, nice. And we, we started out at the same time. We had the same booking agent. Um, we, we both, the Rascals and Tommy James, turned down Woodstock. That's right. We did a lot of shows together, too. We did so That's many awesome. wonderful shows together, uh, and you know, and I, I, I have the fortunate uh, life of spending a lot of time personally with Tommy and his wonderful uh, wife Linda, and and of course, you know, we also we also spend a lot of time with Carol Ross, Tommy's manager. And Tommy, mm-hmm. tell them about your film that's coming out. Sure. Well, I, I will. I just wanted to say that you know Gene is such a great guitar player, and it's so wonderful. We write together, and Gene's going to be on on my new album. Um, oh wow! And we're, oh, which cool. we're doing right now, and he has a he has agreed to honor me by being on the album, and um, uh, we're just really thrilled. Gene and I uh, go back all the way to 1966, actually. Yeah, yes. wow. Both started out. We played Hawaii together. It always seemed like the Rascals were like one hit record ahead of us. You know what I mean? One big monster hit record ahead of us. And uh, that's how we spent. There was a great rivalry between us because we we all sold to the same uh, to the same audience, and we all um, you know played to the same to the same audience. So there was a lot of similarities there. And as he said, we had the same booking agent. We worked together a lot on the same shows. And Roulette Records and Atlantic Records were just down the street from each other. So we really had a, a, you know, it was was amazing how, and how close we were. And it was like two families that knew each other really well. So it was was the golden era at the time, you know, and and, and ironically, uh, when I go to see Mark Hudson on Monday again, uh, the, the 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 club that that used to be Tommy's recording studio where he recorded all his right at the Iridium, and uh, gee, I, you know, I mean, I'm just I'm just honored that you've invited me to be on your album. Well, it's, we're going to have fun doing it too. Absolutely. Tommy, Tommy, when is your album? Tommy, when does your album come out? Well, towards the end of the year, it's called Acoustatronics, and it's a a sort of a new approach, technically. And we're going to have several songs on the album that are going to be in our new movie, and uh, many new songs as well. And so it's going to be—it's a real labor of love, and it should be out by the end of the year. We're hoping to get it out in the stores by Christmas. Hey, listen, uh, I just want to mention to Tommy, I want to mention to Tommy that uh, I met you both, Gene and you, at the City Winery, and I know Gene turned my book, 545s, on to you. I had the pleasure of of meeting you there, and you know, I did a lot of work with Joan Jett, and I know you were involved with her. Yeah, sure. It was a big honor. Who am I talking to here? We have have Jimmy Max. Oh! Spencer. 
Spencer. Spencer. Well, it's great to talk with you. Are you kidding, Tommy? I love this. Were you and Gene and and Jimmy on the thing? Yeah. And And Jimmy. Jimmy Mack. Jimmy Mack. Jimmy Mack. Come back. How's everybody doing? Well, we're all doing great. How are you doing, Jim? What's going on with you? All is well. I had had the pleasure of uh, Mr. Cornish inviting me down to the Iridium about three or four weeks ago. Yes. Coming up to sing with him, and uh, you know, nice. I just wanted to. I just wanted to say, you know, Tommy, both Tommy and Gene, <clears throat> these guys, you know, th- they know what they've done in rock and roll, but they don't know. I don't think they know what they mean to many of us as as kids growing up. I remember being seven, eight years old, and just playing those singles oh, over oh, and, and oh. over and over. And you know, staring at the pictures, staring at the record jackets, and, and you know, remember, I remember, you know, staring at the the Rascals cover, and, and Good Lovin' was always my favorite, always, always oh, yeah. my Isn't favorite number song? one song. Mine too. I, I love dearly love the yeah. Rascals. Well, one, I wanted to ask Gene a question about that song because it, many musicians know. I know Tommy knows that there's this particular riff in that song, a guitar riff that comes in right before the second verse, and it's such a historic riff. That I know uh, Bruce Springsteen tells a story of that was the, that was the note that sold him on the on the song and sold him on the Rascals when he was a little kid playing in a garage. Gene, mm-hmm. could you tell us? Could you tell well, us where that okay. where you were influenced? I I know personally where that riff well, came from. Where, who influenced you? The record was originally recorded by the Olympics, who had Big Boy Pete and <clears throat> and, and, and Western movies, and, and Dino found this record before we had a record deal, along with Mustang Sally by Sir Mac Rice. And we were doing these short songs on stage. And, and the, 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 um, the Olympics version was a salsa record. Uh, the guitar part that I played on it, and it was more of a salsa beat, you know. And we turned it around, and, and, and we didn't realize that it wound up to be Pratt House favorites, like Louie Louie and, and, and things like that, Twist and Shout, and... Well, when when I played that guitar break, it was really a piano break, and I played it very stiff. But when I did the one take, I got I just got I just got so involved in in, in working it and playing it so desperate. We only did three takes on it, that I that I do this little twang thing at the end of the thing, and it took me years later to realize there was the hats off and a tribute to James Burton, who played wow. with Ricky Nelson because he plays that chicken fork kind of stuff, and. Uh, and and uh, we did we played the Tribeca Grill for the first time. Uh, we had hadn't been together in 35 years, and honoring Steve Van Zant uh, for the Kristen Ann Carr Foundation. Uh, and we asked Bruce to come up to play with us. So we're playing good loving, and 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 of course you know I'm going to let the boss. I want well that night I was the boss. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture in my living room of us doing this exact thing, and I and I say, Bruce, you play the first half of it, so he plays it identical to me, and I played the second half, and I did the twang thing, and he stopped, and his eyes got real big, he goes, yes, yes, afterwards, when we got off stage, he goes, I got to tell you, I bought that record for that one lick, because all guitar <laughs> players, wow. as Tommy will tell you, and Jimmy will tell you, we hear something on a record, it should be just the one lick, and we want to hear it over and over again, the only way you can is to buy the record. Right. So every so every time I play this and I play it constantly with different people, uh, they wait. They seem to. I, I look around slyly, and they're waiting for me to do the thing, you know. And uh, I did it with Bobby Bandiera uh, last week, 
about a week and a half ago at the Stone Pony. We did we did a Rascal special, and we even had the kids a, a school of rock singing background. And we both Whoa. played the same lick together, and we both <laughs> just broke out laughing. Great story. That's great. What a great story. That's great. You know, I also That's I also remember awesome. I also another childhood memory. I remember watching the Ed Sullivan show when Tommy did Crimson and Clover. My my all time oh, favorite. Another one of my all time favorites. And I, I still mean, remember. So, wait a minute. I got to come in on this because that's Joan Jett does a killer version of that. And I know I, she does. But and I, that's one but, of my favorite songs ever, yeah. Tommy. It's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. But you know, to me, nothing just, will ever replace Tommy's version. I'm sorry. No, no. The and, Tommy's and, version oh, is amazing. Yeah, well, thank oh, you. It's a killer. It's, and I that's remember why Tommy. That's why Tommy's sleeve is in my 545 book. By the way, that's awesome. I remember Ed yeah. Sullivan. I remember the the effect at the end of Crimson and Clover, if you recall, where where it goes through the you know Crimson, you know, it does that vibrato yeah. effect. Listen, I, I got to tell you, a, a, I got to tell you a funny story about that Ed Sullivan show. Yeah, uh, we had that. He, the week before we were on, you know, he announces all the acts, and I was scared to death because we had to do Crimson and Clover live, and you know that that's, that that fade was just a train wreck waiting to happen. Yeah. So, so uh, the week before, uh, uh, we had just finished the tour with the Beach Boys, and two of the Beach Boys were up, and we were out in L.A. We're up in the hotel room as Sullivan is introducing us, uh, or is introducing uh, the artists that are going to be on next next week's show. And he said, oh, next week, right here on our stage, Tony Jones and the Spondells will be here. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Two youngsters, Tony Jones, which means he's never heard of you and he can't read. <laughs> so, so that was my, so if I wasn't scared before, I was terrified now, you know. And then we, we did the show, we did Crimson and Clover, and it was, it came off really fine, and and uh, I forgot about the most important thing is after the song, you got to talk to Ed. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> and he said, oh, come on over here, Tony boy. And he said, uh, oh, listen, I understand you were born and raised in New York City. <laughs> oh. No, I explained to him I was born in Niles, uh, in, uh, brought up in Niles, Michigan, born in, in Dayton, Ohio, and went on and gave him every chance to climb out of that tree. And he says, once again, born and raised in New York City, Tony Jones. That's here for him. Oh, that's funny. That was my first Ed Sullivan funny. show. Well, you know, that, that oh show God. that Spencer, the show that Spencer is referring to, we were all at together, was when. When Gene and Tommy, you guys did that CBS special together right. at yeah, the City yeah. Winery, right. just the two of you. With the with Gene was playing his his his, his, his Gretsch, I believe. Wasn't that fun? Well, Who that was, was playing the Gretsch? We show. did a combination of Groovin' and uh, yeah. Crystal Blue Persuasion. What, what a fabulous! What you oh, know, just the two awesome. guitars and just you guys together. Yeah, me, that's incredible. It was an incredible oh, I show. I wish I had been there. Wasn't it amazing there. how easy one song oh. kind of turned into the other? It, it was. It was uh, you know, Tommy. I want to mention that the thing I did with uh, Bobby Bandiera last week. Right. Uh, opening band was John Eddie, and I wasn't paying attention. And Debbie said to me, "Listen, listen, listen." And he was doing. I think we're alone now. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Well, you've got a couple of bucks coming from this. Well, listen, home. that's uh, probably thirty-five, forty cents right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are so funny. 
really quick, let me announce really quick again, if you're tuning in late, um, the show will be available afterwards on iTunes and also on the Red Velvet Media Network. And um, we are with Jean Cornish, and we also have some special guests with us today. And my co-host, Spencer Drake. And uh, if you're in the chat room, I did put your link to your website. And, Tommy, what's your website? So I can put that in there, too, for people. Just TommyJames.com. It's awesome. Okay. I got it. That's awesome. Your music, I love. I love both of your music. It's just very, very cool. And, Jimmy, I'm so glad you're here today. Well, I, I I couldn't miss talking to two of my favorite people in the world. I actually four of my oh, favorite no. people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I gotta, you know, I like to bring Jimmy. I like to bring on because he's such a, a ment- uh, his mindset is so amazing in music, and he brings out these important points. And uh, also, I want to tell everybody that Jimmy is one of the great guitarists. I mean, I got to tell you, he, he is. He really is. is. Absolutely. Thanks, Jimmy, guys. Tell who you play with. Tell him who you play with now. Uh, Gene Cornish. <laughs> I, no, actually, uh, I just, uh, I was just, uh, it, it, I was just asked to play lead guitar in Genya Raven's band. So All right. I'm currently, oh, right. Genya Raven. That's hot. That's hot, man. Yeah. But wow. Then, uh, Jimmy, do you have a website yet of your own? No, no, I'm just on Facebook. You know, I'm, I'm universal. You're on you know, Facebook. Just, I know. just hit You're me up on Facebook. Elliot. Send me a friend request. <laughs> Jimmy McElliot. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy McElliot is on Facebook, and he is. He, you'll see him pop up here, there, and everywhere. I've, I've seen you playing with so many iconic people and people that are just really out there, and 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 who we have on the show today. I'm just so honored that you all are here today because this music is stuff that made memories for a lot of people. Let me tell you, a lot of memories. Well, you know, we got a lot Beautiful. more memories to make. Tommy's new album is mm-hmm. going to come out. My first project was so narrow, uh, you know. And and we, we 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 when we made music in the '60s, we made them with real instruments. We didn't worry mm-hmm. about beats. It had lyrics. It had melodies. And you know, we we didn't know at the time we were making oldies. The new music that's out now, CBS <laughs> is in trouble because there's not going to be a lot of oldies. That's, I know. You may be Absolutely. right there. Now, that's the truth, Gene, because I, I could tell you, because I, I see it with my own kids. I always say to them, I feel sorry for you guys, because <laughs> I have things that I can listen to that I grew up with. The things that you're listening to now, I can't see it 20 years from now, being right. on the radio or, or being in a, you know, for sale and, and making any money off of it, you know. Let me say something about that, Jimmy. Uh, when we were making our music, uh, our older people didn't get it either, you know. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to say that the music is not valid. It's just not memorable. Right, right, absolutely. There's, there's a lot of good music out there, but you got to sort it out, you know. And yeah. unfortunately, we don't have radio like we used to have to get the right exposure. It's all segregated now. Uh, this type of music, that type of music, different stations. And there's really no record industry. It's all being streamed and and. and uh, People can't make a living out of a record deal anymore. You have to go out and tour. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I had read an I had read an article in the Times about a year ago, which said that back in the seventies, eighty percent of the band's incomes came from record sales, and now and now ninety percent of their income comes from touring. 
which yeah. means, you know, right. these young artists, they're having a hard time because all, all they can do is do these one-night stands across the country. There's no, there's no support from the record companies. There's no support from the public. You know, everybody's putting their stuff out there for free on the Internet, so how are they supposed to make money? Time the the only thing very I see that I see is that being involved with a lot of these bands, you realize that, like, uh, I'm giving you an example. Joseph Arthur has a, he makes his money a lot on marketing, you know, his T-shirts and other things. and The merch, yeah. Yeah, the merch thing. That's really big if you can get into that. But it is hard. I mean, it is, I, I you know, it's such a difference. It's, anything is great because the, obviously the musician controls everything. The record company has taken it. But to get into the, uh, the the promotion of your album and to do things you normally a musician shouldn't do is very difficult. I totally agree, you know. Well, you know, one of the things that... Uh uh, I tell young bands, I have a lot of young bands that come up to me and ask me, what should we do? Yeah. And there's, there's really, a, I, I, there, there is a path. Uh, and, and for me, I think one of the smartest things that a group can do now is, first of all, of course, write. Um, but, but rather than going to a record company, I'd put uh, six or eight or ten of my, my best songs together and go to a publishing company. One of the oh, major cool. publishing companies, like yeah. right. Sony or Universal, or yeah. one, you know, one of the majors, That's and smart. because the publishing uh, is really where the action is today, yeah. and it's also where the money is, mm-hmm. and so uh, going to a, a publisher and making a deal with a publisher for, let's say, uh, either co-publishing, you know, co-ownership of of the songs, or just maybe an administration deal, which is mm-hmm. like a like a management deal. Um, you you have the weight of that publisher behind you, and they can open up doors for you that record companies used to and don't anymore. Well, Tommy, uh, isn't mm-hmm. there a thing about also what's really cool? You're mentioning, you're bringing out is also soundtracks for movies. Movies, a lot. We've had we've been so lucky. We've had uh, such great success with films and with, uh, of course, commercials and and TV use of sync licensing. It's called. Yeah. And so uh, one major film uh, is worth probably what you used to make from a, a hit album. Mm. Wow. And so it is, uh, You're right. it is... You're right, Tommy. It is amazingly important for groups to uh, understand where, where the, you know, where, where the money really is and, where, and, the, and the target to go after because record companies really aren't, uh, aren't doing anything anymore. They don't have the money to do it. No, they don't. You're absolutely right. And That's you know, really a lot cool. of times we'll hear music, Spencer and I'll hear music from people that'll be on our show and we say, Gosh, that's really great, you know, you should think about doing soundtrack music. Right. And I think movie soundtracks are really important because it really gets you into a different whole you know, sure. space. And I can you know, tell you commercials, for example, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are very effective, and the idea is we're back to an interesting kind of music too. We're ac- actually back to what I used to call power pop, which right. is the the big mm-hmm. hook, and the, the hook being the most memorable part of the song, and right. up tempo, and uh, uh, you know what we used to call pop, and mm-hmm. uh, that's really where it's at now. Uh, plus right. the fact that that uh, downloading has created the singles market again. You know, the oh, the album absolutely. was always a creation of the record company, and um, uh, now we're into single song downloads again. So the singles market is back, and so uh, uh, if you you know you got to do a little bit of maneuvering, but 
but uh, if you do it, it it it, it can be done today. That's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now I must I must interject that the Rascals, all four of us separately, still make all of our income due to the name Rascals, in one way or another. You know, mm-hmm. and, and the licensing is important. Commercial, well, you know, the whole thing with the movies it started with the Big Chill. I think you'll agree, Tommy, that they had the best soundtrack for, for a movie for a movie mm-hmm. ever. Absolutely. And, and, and of course, yep. the Rascals that the Rascals had. A commercial for uh, a product that was for arthritis, and we had a two-year contract, and we were m- making money every week, every week. And then they found out that the product was killing people, and so the stock <laughs> came off. The, <laughs> the Vioxx, it was Vioxx. We had a beautiful morning, but you know, we still, uh, we we still, we still, I still see see uh, our records in, uh, in in Despicable Me, and a, a good song, a good song is timeless. And the fact that a lot of these producers uh, of movies are of our generation, and uh-huh. they still love their music. Oh, sure, know? yeah, yeah. And the disposable money still is still controlled by by a certain age group that's out there. You know, and the right. thing, and, 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 uh, I, I just I'm I'm just so thrilled to have been a rascal and blessed with what we have. We, didn't have, we, we even got we even Tommy said, and once in a while we even got paid for it. There you go. Aww. You know, you know, Gene. I'd like to ask both you and Tommy because you, you, you now know who who my influences were. My influences were you guys. Okay, you guys, the Beatles, the Animals, this, you know, the mid '60s music. But I would like to know who who were your influences. Number one, as a guitarist. Number two, as a, yeah. you know, who did you like vocally, Tommy? Who who did you admire, and, and right. how did they affect your development as an artist? Well, my heroes were the first generation rock and rollers: uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, Buddy Holly. Right. Um, oh, I could go on and on. Elvis, of course, uh, but the Everly Brothers, and uh, so many. Gene Vincent, and yeah. and when I was. Uh, nine and ten years old that's what was on the radio and when i got my first guitar uh, i started with an acoustic and then an electric um i in, fa- in fact both gene and i started out with a ukulele before we played guitar really? oh. <laughs> we, <laughs> we talked about that and and but my first my the first generation rock and rollers were my heroes and when i got my my electric guitar really i just learned everything i could learn uh, from the radio and from buying records, and then by the time I was 12 years old, I had my first band. So, right. you know, those were those were the guys, the guys between 56 and 60, that who really determined what I was going to do for a living. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Elvis, Elvis and Gene, what about you? Gene, what about you? Elvis, yeah, he's Elvis he's telling us. Elvis changed my Gene, life. You know, I I was doing a little country music stuff and. Of course, I sang 16 tons and uh, 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 white, uh, 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 white uh, carnation. Uh, uh, I forgot the song now. But anyway, all of a sudden, I'm watching. I'm watching TV. Uh, that was Marty Robbins. Marty Robbins. Marty Robbins. A white sports coat and a pink carnation. Oh, great. And Buddy Knox, and Buddy Knox, party doll. But I, I'm Ooh. watching. I'm playing checkers with my, my grandfather at 12 years old in my father's bass store. It's a blizzard outside in February, and the Jimmy and Tommy Dorsey show come on TV. And there's a man up there with sideburns and a guitar, and I was mesmerized. And uh, I knew I couldn't be Elvis, 
or Ricky Nelson. So I idolized Scotty Moore, first of all, with Elvis. <laughs> right. James, James Burton uh, with, with Ricky hey, hey. Nelson. The Everly Brothers changed my life. I went to see my first rock and roll show with Buddy mm-hmm. Holly on the show when I was 14. I saw the show. I asked my mother to take me to the matinee and then the evening show, and I turned to her and I said, uh, in Rochester, this is what I want to be for the rest of my life, and someday I'm going to come to this theater and headline. <laughs> and uh, and, and also Dwayne Eddy. Dwayne Eddy was a major influence. I even bought a guitar like Dwayne Eddy. And then, thank God, thank God the Beatles came along and allowed a guitar player to step forward and not be behind the lead singer. Now, Tommy was a guitar player and a lead singer, but I was, even though I was the lead singer, I think I was, I was more of a guitar player and... Uh, and 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 Dwayne Eddy, Link Ray, and and all of the people that young guitar players never get to hear now. When a young kid of 12 years old or 10 year old gets a guitar, he thinks he's got to be Eddie Van Halen. He's got to be Jeff Beck. They, they don't learn. They don't learn the mathematics of how to add and subtract music. They they go off and they never learn the basics. You know. Right. They never, they never learn the real people. And you know, I mean. When when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame started back in '86, they had some real candidates, you know. And now it's just a little different. The people deserve it, but it's not, it's, they're not the iconic people who invented the rock and roll that Tommy and I learned on. You know, Chuck Berry taught me how to play guitar, and wow. I, I got That's a chance amazing. to tell him. I was 15 before I discovered you were supposed to tune your guitar. <laughs> oh wow! I want to hear well, Is that why you're playing Chuck open Berry. tuning, Tom? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we want to hear stories about Chuck Berry. You playing with Chuck Berry? Let's hear about uh, that. Yeah, I got to I tell. Have... I got to tell Chuck that finally. I said, you know, you were my guitar teacher, and uh, it was a true. Oh wow! That's I amazing. A, I want to hear Gene. And, 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 yeah. Uh, it was. It was. It was nineteen. 86. You're fading a little a band, bit, Gene. I had a band called GC Dangerous. I had a band called GC Dangerous, and we were hired to back up Chuck Berry at the Limelight on New Year's Eve. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. It was sold by Jimmy Vivino, the great Jimmy Vivino, and John Ferris. Be careful because he will give you a hard time. And so we took the gig, and Chuck invited us. He said, they, said, they told me he won't give you a song list. He won't give you a heads up what key. Anyway, he wound up giving me a song list, and he gave me the, the keys and everything. When we got on stage, ready to play the first song, he turned around and threw me off the stage. He didn't want another guitar <laughs> player on stage. So I oh, said, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Jeez. at least he didn't punch me like Keith Richards. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> the story. Yeah, no, these are really interesting stories. You know, I want to ask you, Gene, um, and, you know, that there's a memory in itself. But do you have any certain memory you want to share with our listeners that be that really stays with you from any certain time that maybe is more well, prominent God, than others? Oh, my God, put me on the spot. Ah, uh, no, uh, not. One, one, one of the You're memories I have. It's your time. <laughs> doing, doing of, course, of course, playing, uh, playing uh, Carnegie Hall, Breaking the uh-huh. attendance record at, at the Hollywood Bowl, which Tommy was on the no show way. with us. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. We broke that attendance record together. Playing Shea Stadium, uh, uh, playing all over England. Uh, you know, uh, meeting uh, meeting Sir George Martin, having Paul McCartney. But Paul McCartney came to see the Rascals, 
at a little club in London. We weren't big in in England, and we were there on a promotional tour. I'll never forget it. It was a place called uh, Blazes, and we were using Brian Orger's Hammond B3, and we were on stage, and Paul McCartney sat, sat three feet away from me on the left. Oh, wow. And we're playing, and we're, uh, we're pretending we didn't see him, but we're looking <laughs> out the corner of eye. He was sitting there, and, and, and we finished the set, and we get a standing ovation, and Eddie was so nervous, he walked over to Paul and said, Hello, John. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> and then, and then, oh, Paul, and then three, Paul must have loved that. Three days later, <laughs> he came to see us at a place called Scotch of St. James, and uh, and we were playing on this little stage, and it was the, the rock royalty was there. Keith Moon was there. Uh, uh, Keith Townsend. Uh, wow. Keith Rich, Brian Jones, uh, Eric, uh, Eric Burden, uh, clapped. Everybody was there. We were playing, and Dino's bass drum started to slip forward. And, and I wrote he had nailed it down. All of a sudden, I saw bodies flash by me, and this person put, uh, put their back against the bass drum the whole set. So we got off the wow. stage, and a young fellow introduces himself as Keith Moon. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Dino says, Dino says to him, Dino says, I really owe you. What can, can I do you a favor? And he said, teach me how to swirl the stick. Teach me how to twirl the sticks, and Dino taught Keith Moon how to twirl the sticks. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, that's great. What a great story. What about you, Tommy? Well, one of my great memories actually happened this year. Um, oh, fantastic. I, we, I, Joan Jett asked me if I was, she was being inducted into yeah, the Hall of Fame. Right. right. And, I, uh, and she asked me if I would play Crimson and Clover with her, so I did. Right. And uh, nice. uh, so on stage, uh, it was it was quite amazing. Uh, uh, what a moment that was! It was Joan and I, and Dave Grove from the Foo Fighters and Nirvana, right. mm-hmm. and Miley Cyrus, all right. at the same time. Oh, four God. four generations of wow. of rock and rollers doing Crimson and Clover, and it was it was quite amazing. And then afterwards, uh, uh, Ringo was being inducted as well. So Paul and Ringo and I got a chance to. Uh, uh, no you know, exchange pleasantries and party a little bit nice. after the show. So that was really a a, a wonderful night. Oh, and, and, and and going back, hey Tommy, going back, that was your Crimson and Clover song is one of my favorites. I, I brought up Thank before, you. but and but that the the rendition you did on the stage was amazing. I got to tell you, it, I saw it; it was amazing. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate that. Oh, Tommy. Yes. Uh, it was the first time I saw you with a go-go dancer, Miley Cyrus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. Well, she flashed me right in the middle of this song. Right in the middle of the song, she flashed me. And, uh, and I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. <laughs> that is great. I'm going to go home and hit the rewind button. I need to I need Tommy, to say are something you here. I think I think Tommy James. I think Tommy oh James is going to. I think that Tommy is going to be put in the Hall of Fame finally. I sure hope so. And yeah, and I, 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 we we all hoping that Tommy belongs there. He belongs there a long time ago. You he know? does. Well, thank you. I, I figure you know when it's our turn we'll go. I try to be magnanimous about it, and uh, <laughs> that's how I feel. You know when it's our turn we'll go. You're going. Tommy, you know you have a great radio voice. Well, thank you. Yeah, you do. You do. You, do. you sound like you've got. You could just be a DJ right along. You can well, fried and solid. Hey. 
<laughs> well, that's hear, just I great. Hear, <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear more about Miley Cyrus flashing you on yes. the rock and roll. That's a true story. Oh well, you know, you know, Tommy, when Tommy, when we were at Jean's birthday party together, yeah, that oh that God. was my that was my personal mo- magical moment of my musical career <laughs> because Gene Gene had invited me to his birthday party. I had never met Tommy before. Uh huh. And we're sitting around a table, and Gene says, "Jimmy, pick up the acoustic guitar and play us some." So we started yeah. singing and playing, and then I said, then I said to Gene says, what do you want to play? I said, ask Tommy if he wants to do Crimson and Clover. Wow. So I said, oh, Tommy, wow. what key is it in? He goes, B. So to me, it was me, Gene, and Tommy doing Crimson and Clover together. You remembered the key. Yeah, of course. I, I'll never forget it. So, <laughs> never forget it. And at hey, the end know, of the song, where the vibrato effect came in, all three of us stopped with the guitars, and we did Crimson. Yeah. <laughs> we shook each other. And to me, that that to me was 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 the greatest moment of my music. Oh wow! Well, you know hey, you're a great guys. guitar player. I got to tell you something. You you led the whole whole the whole room in song, and very few people. There was a lot of professional singers there that night, and you got up in front of everybody and did your magic, and uh, right. that was pretty cool. Jimmy, well, now you know what's you know what's good about Jimmy is when he does he does a beautiful version of Pretty Woman. I make him stand up when he gets to the fast part. Oh, that's right. You did. Oh, that's right. You know, you <laughs> yeah, that's right. You did Roy, tell me to stand up. You brought up Roy Orbison. I love Roy. Have both of you met Roy or done anything with him? I worked oh, with him Roy once. I worked with him in, in Memphis, yes. He's amazing. He was amazing. I've he heard. really was. So his, his wife, you know, was his, was his manager. Really? And mm-hmm. Yes. And he was, uh, uh, well, this was, uh, oh, God, this would have been probably been uh, the middle 80s uh, early 80s um i uh, got a chance cuz he was one of always one of my heroes and i never got a chance to work with him until this date in memphis at the at the arena and uh he was just and he he stood there just like like he was like nothing like he was just singing in the bathroom you know Definitely. and uh, the place was going nuts Wow. Well, I want to bring a up a heart. name. Uh, Tommy, d- did you ever work with Steve Cropper? No, never did. But he's one of the greats, right? Yes, he, he sure one, is. He's one of those musicians you know, that people, like new music people, That what really gets me is a lot of new music people, they don't know these names. Like, they don't we're know talking the classics. And they Steve Cropper, no, I mean, Steve Cropper is one of the greats, or other names you've mentioned, you know, that's that's something that I think has to be integrated into this generation are all these great musicians, right? Well, agree? that's true. That's true. And uh, Steve really, uh, of course, he was he was always a you know a side man, but one of right. these side men like Burton, right. who was just incredible. You know, oh, he yeah, just James made Burton. the records. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they had their mm-hmm. own identity. They had their own identity. They yeah. had their own style. And Steve Cropper, excuse <clears throat> me, Steve Cropper was a fabulous songwriter. He, he co-wrote Midnight Hour. Amongst other things, that I didn't know. Love that song. Oh, yeah. that's great. No, he, he, wrote, you know, he wrote that with Wilson Pickett. He wrote that with Wilson Pickett. You're kidding? I'll be darn, I didn't know that. You know, I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna pull a thing that I normally do on my reggae shows. Um, do you guys want to do a live song? Is anybody, Jimmy? You've got to have a guitar right by you. 
<laughs> no, actually, my guitars are by the door, and I was going to tell you I have to run because I have a I have a gig at Hill Country on Twenty Sixth Street tonight in about three hours. Oh yeah, man, talk okay. about it. Give a little. Well, you got out just before they made you play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you then, Tommy and Gene, to sing a song when uh, Jimmy makes his exit. Jimmy has left the building. <laughs> I didn't leave yet. I didn't leave yet. I want to hear what they're going to say. <laughs> I don't okay. know. I, I I don't know. Come what on. would we do? Grooving. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, I, let me get, I don't have my harmonica with me, Albert. Somebody <laughs> grab something. Come Hold on. on. Hold, Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, I'm good. holding on. Yeah. He's doing it too, isn't he? He is. I know. He's, I know. Harmonica. He's going to. He's actually going you know, for the harmonica. Oh, this is great. Tommy? Yeah. Here we go. Look over yonder. What do you see? The sun is rising. Definitely. Because we're grooving <laughs> on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> I don't know. I think we ought to get, uh, you know, we ought to get hazard pay for this. That's it. <laughs> hey, guys, this, this is beyond union scale. Right. Tommy and Gene, I just want to say thanks for talking, talking again. I'll see Great you guys talking soon. with you, my friend. Hey, you, have a good gig tonight, Jimmy. Thank you. You're the best, guys. Love bye bye. Good luck, Gene. Info out on it. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Is the show anyway, over? Um, no, Jimmy. No, the show's not over. Oh. Hello. The show Hello, is not I'm here. over. Gene, <laughs> listen. You'll know when the show's over because we're going to end with the song "My Day," but we're not ready to end the show. Okay. Tommy and Gene, oh. you have time to stay on the air still? Is Gene oh, still I, there? Yeah, I'm still Gene? here. All right. Well, yeah. we just made it then. I okay. thought we were hanging up. Get back I, on the guitar, man. Get back. All right. Sorry. It's Friday afternoon. Come on. Go for it. I'm your producer. <laughs> That's right. right. There's okay. no school tomorrow. What, what's, what got in there? No. No. So go. <laughs> I'm ready. Well, listen, these are the kind of shows that, that matter yeah, to people. Really They're fun. And I don't know. Where else would you... Where else but this show would you have these kind of thrills? That's right. You wouldn't. You would not have it. You would not. This is great. Could you destroy, where, where could you destroy three careers faster than this show? <laughs> I just <laughs> and, and without without dressing up. <laughs> hey, I want to I want to go a little bit. Wait, I want to go. I wait, Holly. I want to bring up a question. Hair. Jean, you, you were, your mother was sang with the big bands. Tell us about that. Well, she, before uh, she was married, before she fun. was married, she sang with Woody Herman, Eddie Duchin, and wow. she actually filled she filled in for Harriet Nelson when when uh, Ozzy Nelson was the band leader in, Unbelievable. in California. And then when when uh, yeah Harriet was getting a tonsil fixed, so my mother filled in for, wow. for Harriet, and then mm-hmm. uh, the war broke out, and Mom had to go back to Canada, and then mm-hmm. she got married, and then I popped out. And uh, basically, I took over her career. <laughs> he popped out wearing knickers. He popped out wearing knickers. Well, it's really funny. When I was a teenager, when 
when I was a teenager and I had a band and mom would drive me to separate gigs and I was uh-huh. I, I, I was playing I was playing and one of my best friends was sitting next to my mother. He was a teenager and my mother said, My son was born with a guitar in his hand and he said, Must have been a rough birth. <laughs> that guitar was painful, oh, wasn't that's it? Funny. <laughs> Hey, Tommy, hey, uh, Tommy yeah, tell us about to... your family. I mean, were you brought up with Yeah, music? that's what I was going to ask him. I wanted yeah. to know a little yeah. bit more about where he grew up and how yeah. he got influenced and got into Well, music. I was an only child, and my mother honestly used to tell me that uh, the only time she could get me to shut up is when music came on the radio when I was a little. And I was 27. That No, I was a tiny <laughs> little baby. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, <laughs> And uh, and so I, right from the get-go, I had my ear in a speaker of one kind or another uh, uh, all the way growing up. And the, the first thing, when I was four years old, I was an only child, so I got the best of everything. And, and um, uh, I was brought up in the Midwest in uh, Michigan. And um, when I was four, my grandfather bought me a ukulele. Oh, wow. And it was about as tall as I was. That's incredible. And I learned how to play the ukulele and the pop songs on uh, uh, singing the blues and songs like that on the ukulele. So when I got my first guitar at age nine, my first acoustic, all I did was I had two more strings to play with. That was basically all it boiled down to. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Where were some uh, of your first gigs? Did you play in high school and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. I started my first band. Uh, We were called Mm -hmm. the Tornadoes. When I was uh, oh, nice. when I was uh, 12 years old, and we started playing, uh, actually making money, uh, uh, when I was 13, and um, I I can't believe that I'm still doing the same job as when I was uh, 13 years old. That's like being a, a awesome. 68-year-old paper boy. So it's like having the same job for all this time. It's pretty amazing. It is. It's great. You know, Tommy and I, being both only children, the only child, both of us, we both started on an Arthur Godfrey ukulele. Yep. The first song we both learned was Guy Mitchell singing the blues. Singing the blues. Wow. I found out about it because I was reading Tommy's book. uh, And I I I got his wonderful book. And I open it up and I'm reading it. And it says, Ukulele, uh, singing the blues. I had to call Tommy up, and we laughed forever. So we have so many parallels. I think you were in the bathroom when you called me. You guys are funny. He was in the bathroom when he called me. He says, I've been reading your book. Guess where he was. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, my God. You guys are funny. Now, so how long have you known each other, both of you, since, like, childhood, right? 66. 66, yeah. Oh it's been, this is 50 years. 50 years, yeah. Yep. Great. Wow. And we both, that's that's and we, timeless. And we, and we both make a living from our misspent youth. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's Joan Jett title, right? That's a Joan Jett Yes, it is a misspent youth. I want right. yeah. to know. I want to know something because, you know, I always I always want to know. So when you – did you guys go to school together? No, we went to different schools together. Uh, but basically what it boiled down to was we the, the thing about making it uh, back then or about being in a band mm-hmm. when we were kids mm-hmm. is that every, we all did the same things. You know, none of us could afford none of us could afford 
Fender guitars and and Gibson guitars. So we got you know out of a Sears catalog, we played Silvertone guitars and stuff like that. Oh. And uh, uh, we all learned the same songs because there was only a handful of songs that you know that that that. Uh, uh, a guitar player knowing three chords could could play, you know. And so we learned the in- instrumentals. And most of them were three chords, Tommy. Pardon me. Most of them were three chords. When you That's right. It. But you know, remember, Tommy, remember what we talked about, and and you had a song. You wrote a song called "God Loves the Winner." Uh, yeah. I told Tommy we knew we made it when we had our first record because you know the Holiday Inn just to put your name on the marquee. Yes. There. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> young rascals. Right, right under the fish fry on Friday. That's, That's right. Are That's you right. serious? Like you couldn't afford to stay anywhere else. It, that never occurred to me, you know. And then I'd get upset when they didn't put our name on the marquee. <laughs> oh, that is <laughs> oh, funny. We were always, we were always under fish fry Friday. Yes, fish fry. That's right. Fish fry on Friday. Welcome, young rascals. That's right. Where's uh-huh. the fish fry tonight, guys? It's Friday. Well, you know what? It worked. Fry. It helped us because the groupies knew where we were. You know, at the well, time. that's true. I hadn't thought of that. That's that's right. You know, oh my gosh. And, and, and the group, uh, they called them groupies, and I don't really like that term. They were kind of because a lot of them had nothing to do with sexual activity. But they weren't like the USO. They would come. They would come and see you. Then sometimes they'd take you around. Like I had a, a couple of girls just drive me in Memphis over to Graceland, you know, and they were thrilled. And and, and uh, now we run into the, some of these women that we met 50 years ago, and their grandmothers, and they're they're they're, they're wonderful, and they're, it's good to see them again because we're they're great grandmothers. <laughs> yes, actually, yes, they are. So, I'll never forget. I I was down with uh, I was down at Rutgers uh, a couple of years ago. And I down at the radio station down there, and the fellow who works for us used to be the program director, and he's down there, and um, this elderly couple walks in, and uh, I thought that was sweet. Uh, the 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 old lady comes up to me, and she's, she, uh, and and I said, well, thank you, thank you so much, and I'm patting her on the hand, and I'm being very condescending. I said, well, thank you so much for making the effort to come down here. Uh, what is your name? She says. Margaret and my, you were the first concert my mother let me go to. <laughs> I, I said, well, that sort of puts things in perspective, doesn't it? <laughs> That's a true story. Tommy, let me ask That's a great Tommy, story, man. Tommy, what would you, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> I'll let you know when I get there. Uh-huh. I don't know, maybe either, you know, an astronomer or a deep sea diver. I don't know, something like that. Ooh, astronomer, that's what I wanted to be. I want to be an astronomer. I yeah. love the stars. Yeah. I just want to stay in tune. I just want to stay in tune. That's what I want. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, that gets more hard, more difficult every year. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, you do it going on the road, you know, when we go on the road and we tour every year, it's it's very much like being an mm-hmm. athlete. You really have to stay in shape, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 very important. And uh, by the way, we're doing a movie. 
What is that? Uh, Give uh, us information on that. Our, our our book, Me, the Mob, and the Music, is being turned into a movie. Unbelievable. And Barbara Defina is producing it, who produced Great. Goodfellas and Casino. Oh, my and God. Hugo a couple of years ago with Martin Scorsese. And uh, uh, the screenplay has just been written. And so we're 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 looking at about another two years. But we're very excited and honored That's that, great. Uh, that this is uh, actually going to happen. Pardon me? Where are you going to do it? Where are you filming well, it it's going to, a lot of it's going to have to be done in New York because that's where these mm-hmm. things actually happen. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. So, so who's uh, directing the movie? Who's directing the well, movie? We haven't picked a director yet, but Barbara Defina is producing, and she's going to be uh, selecting the director within the great. next, oh, probably eight weeks or so. Oh, cool. That's and uh, so it really is going to be fun. And, of course, the 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 movie uh, the story uh, uh, is an autobiography, but about oh three quarters of it devoted to our very crazy and scary relationship with Roulette Records because uh, unbeknownst to us when we signed Roulette Records was a front for the Genovese crime family in New York <laughs> and so right. that made life real interesting for us oh, wow. and uh, with this very oh, dark that's and be fun. yes. <laughs> Very dark and sinister story going on behind us that we couldn't we couldn't talk about. So it's going to be fun. Good. Wow. Good. Congratulations. Gene, you going to go and be part of that? You going to go down? I'd there? love for him to. <laughs> I'm going uh, to play a bodyguard. Gene said he wants to play a corpse. <laughs> and I said, you know, it's funny because these guys who play dead bodies, they all get union scale. You know what I mean? Oh, that's why it's still life. <laughs> Gene, you're funny. You really are. Are no. you on your iPhone okay. talking to me? What? Uh, Pardon me? This is... No, Gene, uh, I'm, no, I'm, I'm asking Gene if he's on the landline or his iPhone, because we were talking about he got an iPhone earlier. When we first uh, no, I, I don't have a landline. I just have an iPhone. <laughs> Well, I have a landline, so I guess I have I have an iPhone, and uh, I don't do FaceTime. You know, this interview is getting really silly. No dead air. We got Sorry. dead air here now. How about playing a song? No, actually, actually, um, Gene was telling us about his iPhone when we first started. The radio. Yeah. So we have um, my yes. babe, which we can end with. Um, I think that would be a great idea. I love my babe. Yeah, and what I'd like to say is I want to thank both uh, you and Jean for being on the the air with us. Well, my my pleasure, certainly. Our pleasure. And Jimmy Mack. Thanks for you there. Jimmy Mack. And, and I want to I, yeah. I want to thank you myself because it's a great honor to have you guys on, and that's why I brought you on, you know, and um, it just means a lot to me. Tommy and Jean, you've been really a uh, big in my mental life in the music business, so great honor. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad you have Absolutely. my book, by the way. I'm so glad both of you have my book. Yes. Oh, that's yeah, great. It's a great. It's a great book, and I was honored to have one of our, one of our, a couple of our things on there. Definitely. I remember the first time I met you, we had a group called Moto, and we had a song. Oh, yeah. I wish that's, I could, oh, I wish yeah, I could dance Michael right Lembo. Michael Lembo, Gene. Right. right. Delhi Platter Records. And and uh, it, 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 we had a group called Moto. It had Frankie, Vinci, and myself, and Dino. And uh, the song was called "I Wish I Could Dance Like Fred Astaire." 
You did a, oh. a wonderful jacket for it. Thank oh, you. thank you, thank you. That you know, they said get the jacket. On. Someone wrote, "Get the jacket and get the record." <laughs> That's great. Well, I want to tell everyone thank you. And thank again, you, if you missed the show from the beginning, it'll be available on iTunes as a download, like you were talking about earlier, Tommy. So. Oh, you mean this is for free? It's a <laughs> oh, you mean we don't get paid for this? Uh, not no, not union scale. Oh, darn, no. darn! If I'd have known that, I'd have, I'd have called earlier. You can, you can download. <laughs> You're funny, Tommy. Where? Holly. This show will be available on iTunes. Yes, my dear. Uh, I want to mention that the song you're going to play, "My Babe," uh, yeah, which are uh, going to be on my record. That's that will hopefully get out in the fall. Great. The song was okay. written in 196. The song was written in 1960 by Bill Medley from The Righteous Brothers. Oh wow! Oh, fantastic! On on yep. Little Latin Loopy Lou album that they had, and it was a song that I played in 1960. It was also the very first song that the Rascals ever rehearsed in 1965 with Felix and I doing a duet. And then I did it later on, and I, I did, the song's been with me for over 50 years. So I can hear the Rascals doing that. Yes. Well, yeah, we did it in two-part harmony, Felix and I, believe it or not. Yeah. Wow. So it was, and so uh, it, we, I did it rockabilly this time, and I know Tommy likes it. He started. Mm. I love oh, it. Oh, that's great. That and sounds great. And we opened up with a song called Thousand Times. Um, what was the story behind that song again? For well, I had, done a, I, had done a tra- I had done a track with some alternate chords that, did, that were different from an original, some other song. And uh, we mm-hmm. decided to write a song to those chords, and I gave I gave the cor- I gave the track to Phil Narrow. I had tr- I cut the tracks in New York, and then Phil I would meet Phil in in Rochester, and we would do the vocals after we would we would write the songs together over emails and and phone. And again, I have to thank Debbie Davis for getting me involved with emails, or I wouldn't been able. We would have been mailing stuff for U.S. Mail, and I would never got it done. And so a thousand times he came up with the lyrics mostly. I did all the music. And and my babe, again, I uh, I play all the instruments except for the drums. The drums on all my stuff was done by Steve Holly from Wings. Oh wow! Oh, fantastic! And, and I played, I well, played all gonna... the guitars and the bass. <clears throat> I played all the guitars and the bass and stuff like that, and produced the record. So my babe is is, is a whole different version that that the Righteous Brothers the Rascals did. So I did it very rockabilly, as you'll hear. I want you to okay. know also. I've heard several of the cuts on this album, and it's great. Really? Wow, cool. Well, we can't wait. We would love to invite you back, both of you yes, back. Yes, you're when, back. Um, you're back again, Gene. When the album drops. And also, yep. with you, Tommy, when you're getting ready yeah. to um, finish yours, I would love to have you back. That sounds great. Yep, you're okay. back. You're back. You're that back. That sounds great. Thank you so much, both of you, for being here. And Thank you. And it really means a lot to us both. And, again, if you missed the show, look. Check it out on iTunes and also on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio under the Indie Cafe. Friday, guys, please. Great uh, talking with you. Rock and roll, guys. Rock and roll. All right. I'll see you later, Tommy. Bye-bye, Gene. We'll talk soon. (laughs)
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. 